Greetings, everyone. I'm Vicki Basilica, Director of the Clinical Specialists and Scientists here at ASHP, and thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional programming from the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting that focuses on the best practices and actionable steps that you can use in your practice to make meaningful changes towards a more equitable, diverse, and inclusive team and organization. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. The Madison VA is a 131-bed facility located in Madison, Wisconsin. We also have six community-based outpatient clinics, along with greater than 2,500 employees that serves over 95,000 eligible veterans. Our pharmacy service in particular has over 130 full-time equivalents, which equates to around or just over 100 employees, including pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, residents, students, and administrative support personnel. Our pharmacy leadership team, including our chief of pharmacy, had been active in discussing issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion for several years. However, tangible steps to advance DEI had not been fully developed or acted upon. This changed last year with the murder of George Floyd and the many other tragic killings of black and brown people. These tragedies accelerated actions related to the discussions that had been ongoing prior. While there had been some degree of self-education already occurring in the personal lives of our management team, there became a more intentional focus on education and discussions surrounding racism and other forms of discrimination at work. It was incredibly helpful to also have ASHP, the Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin, nationally VA as an entity, and the Madison VA at our broader facility level outside of just the pharmacy service be focusing on advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion to help align and support pharmacy service efforts as well. Community agreements. As another example of what we do at our workplace, whenever starting conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, we acknowledge our community agreements. We focus on pointing out the importance of honoring diverse perspectives and recognizing the different experiences of all those who may be in the room. We note that it is a safe space and that we focus on calling people in versus calling them out. We note these topics can be very uncomfortable, but that's okay. We lean into the discomfort and that is how we get through it together. Those are the principles that allow us to leave in better shape than when we came in. The community agreements can be something you adapt to your work site if it's not already something that you're doing. Depending on the group or team that you may be in discussions with, we've also found it important to be speaking the same language, if you will. The terms diversity, equity, and inclusion have been defined in many different ways with different important nuances, but having clarity on what they mean in the context of your practice site, we've found is super important. These are the descriptions that we've used at the Madison VA. Starting with diversity, Diversity referring to the composition of groups of people from any number of demographic backgrounds, identities that might be innate and selected, and the collective strength of their experiences, beliefs, values, skills, and perspectives. It's important to note that diversity goes far beyond what can be seen, and also that diverse organizations are not by definition inclusive. I'll also mention that there are so many different nuances in the way these terms can be used and applied, and that it's okay to learn nuances about definitions or descriptions. We'll touch on an example of this as we move into equity. 
equity really focuses on creating opportunities for equal access and success for historically marginalized and underrepresented populations. As a visual depiction of this, you can see here a slide showing that equality focuses on giving everybody the same thing or the same tool or using the same approach, regardless of individual needs. While equity on the bottom half, as you can see, focuses on providing the tools, the resources, and the approach needed for the individual's specific needs, rather than taking a one-size-fits-all approach. Many of you may have also seen a picture depicting the difference between equality and equity of three different people standing behind a fence. Since that image became more mainstream, the definition has also evolved over time. This is where, back to Julia's mention of Brene Brown and the guidance she provides, it's really about being a learner and getting it right rather than being right. And thinking about how definitions or descriptions may change over time or nuances that we may learn, it's okay, and I've tried to really focus on for myself, that feeling the discomfort is fine. And as I learn more, then my understanding expands and then I can do better. So back to the example with the fence and the different height boxes that each individual person may have been given based on their height. I have also heard a nuance related to questioning, well, why are we providing and what sort of message does it send to provide something different based on a biological difference? And thinking about the harm that that has caused in past with associating different forms of biological intelligence with different races. So thinking about the subliminal messaging that different things have caused. In addition, there's an updated picture where the fence itself is just removed so that nobody needs a box regardless of their height. However, then a question could be raised, why are those people on the sidelines and not able to be part of the game? So again, in those sorts of learning moments, there might initially be a response of like, oh, shoot, I feel like I just learned this. And now I'm learning some other issue or problem or consideration with this. But again, bringing myself back to I am here to be a learner and get it right. And that allows me to be open to constantly learning and to adapting new forms of thought and growth. And moving into inclusion, the act of establishing philosophies, policies, practices, and procedures to ensure access to opportunities and resources, supporting individuals and contributing to the organizations as the success of the organization. And just as noted before, diverse organizations are not by definition inclusive. You also cannot have an inclusive organization that is not diverse. I'm gonna throw it back over to Julia to talk about the different DEI models in pharmacy, more details about our pharmacy services approach and how to further integrate and advance DEI in our workplace. Julia? Thanks, Alina. So just to provide a little bit of introduction and background into the DEI models that helped sort of inform our site's current practice, we sort of inform our practice through three different models in pharmacy. These include Aiko Bethia, who wrote an article. She's the founder of Rare Coaching and Consulting and a diversity and inclusion expert. She wrote an article, which I'll touch on in just a moment. Additionally, we were informed by the recommendations by the ASHP Racial Diversity Task Force. And additionally, an article published in the American Journal of Pharmacy Education, which is titled Systemic Racism, A Pharmacist's Roles and Responsibilities, A Call to Action. So starting out with the article written by Aiko Bethia. 
So Eiko Bethia wrote an article titled An Open Letter to Corporate America, Philanthropy, Academia, Etc. What now? There were a few key points that Eiko Bethia wrote about in response to the current climate of racial tensions and social unrest. And, and we wanted to highlight a few of these key points that she made in the article. The first is the business case. Eiko recommended stop demanding the business case for investing in diversity, equity, and inclusion work just do it. I think too often we see businesses, especially within health systems, feel that the need to justify the potential economic benefits to new initiatives. And when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, this should not need financial justification. We need to move forward with initiatives because it is the right thing to do for our colleagues of marginalized identities, not because of any fiscal gain to our organization. Next, Icobathia highlighted to build in accountability measures and enforce them for aggressions and discriminatory behavior and completely do away with excuses like, they didn't intend that, they didn't know. Instead, shift this to ensuring pharmacy personnel understand the impact of their actions. So stating things like, what are you going to do so that you are aware and intentional? You are accountable. Next, when measuring outcomes of our DEI initiatives, avoid limiting metrics to demographic representation and counting the number of ethnic groups, gender, abilities, sexual orientation, etc. Instead, expand our metrics to what does retention look like for underrepresented groups? What does the promotion rate and bonuses look like for these underrepresented groups? What does compensation look like amongst groups? Our employee engagement survey results disaggregated to recognize responses by underrepresented individuals, such as race, gender, abilities, etc., as well as those who opt not to self-identify. Being satisfied with outcomes that reflect the majority responses will leave you ignoring clear and telling trends from your underrepresented populations. Next, she highlights the importance of learning and development opportunities on biases, aggressions, and other matters that have been categorized as DEI matters. These should be labeled as leadership training and development because diversity, equity, and inclusion work is leadership work. Too often, this important work is marginalized and stigmatized once the title diversity, equity, or inclusion is attached to it. In order to be a successful leader, we must be confident and aware in these areas. So why not call it leadership work? And then lastly, we need to ensure that members of our leadership team are held accountable for participation in our DEI efforts. DEI starts with leaders setting an example for the rest of their team. Next, I'll discuss the recommendations made by the ASHP Racial Diversity Task Force, which was another model that informed many of our actions at the Madison VA. ASHP Racial Diversity Task Force made preliminary recommendations, which included several actions that were then integrated into our team. I wanted to showcase a few of them here. The first is ensuring diversity of DEI committee members. So we need to make sure that everyone has the opportunity for a seat at the table if they choose to be there. Additionally, it's important to provide meaningful education for residents on diversity and cultural competence as they are actively learning and growing at the site and will be the next generation of pharmacists who can continue this DEI work. Next, encouraging increased numbers of application from BIPOC pharmacy students. Creating DEI statements to highlight our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion to all of our pharmacy staff. Encouraging preceptors to include topic discussions with all of our pharmacy students on health disparities and social determinants of health and race. 
providing continuous professional development and training on various diversity, equity, and inclusion topics. And finally, creating partnerships with historically black colleges and universities of pharmacy. And our final model that helped inform our actions at the Madison VA is an article titled Systemic Racism, Pharmacist Roles and Responsibilities, A Call to Action. So there were several highlighted points that I wanted to make from this article, which include pharmacists taking individual responsibility to deepen their awareness surrounding DEI topics. So this isn't necessarily something that is going to always come from leadership it needs to be something that our individual pharmacists are every day taking action on and looking for ways to further educate themselves on both current events and past events related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Next is creation of a space for pharmacy students, practitioners, and leaders in pharmacy to engage in a dialogue regarding anti-racism and implicit bias. And then finally, the formation of specific task forces to help lead anti-racism efforts. So next, I'm going to highlight specific actions that were taken at the Madison VA. After completing our background research, the pharmacy leadership team met to brainstorm an overarching structure of what our DEI initiatives were going to look like and develop key departmental goals. These goals were then further refined and specific initiatives were brainstormed at two separate focus groups, which were composed of frontline pharmacy staff, as well as several pharmacy residents and pharmacy students. The goal of these focus groups were to ensure a diverse representation of individuals in the decision-making process. And refinement of these goals and initiatives in the focus groups were then further developed and refined through the establishment of a pharmacy DEI steering team, which I will highlight in the coming slides as well. So listed here are the three overarching goals for our DEI initiatives within our pharmacy department. These goals include increasing equitable opportunities for diverse representation in the pharmacy workforce, fostering self-development and awareness to contribute to a culture of inclusion, making changes to pharmacy systems, policies, and procedures for sustainable integration and advancement of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So starting off with our first goal of ensuring equitable opportunities for diverse representation. First, we have the integration of a point-based application screening process. This included blinding of CVs and creating, like I had mentioned, a point-based application screening process, which emphasizes the importance of DEI-specific work. Additionally, we added DEI-focused interview questions for our pharmacy candidates, our pharmacy residency candidates, and now our pharmacy staff as well. Then incorporating a DEI commitment statement into our residency recruitment materials. Next, we reviewed residency recruitment materials to ensure we are incorporating inclusive language, including the use of gender-neutral pronouns wherever applicable. We also established a mentorship program with a student organization at the UW School of Pharmacy called MAP, or the Multicultural Affairs Program. This is a student organization with the goal to provide social support and guidance to students of all backgrounds. And finally, we added our gender pronouns to Zoom calls during the virtual recruitment and interview process. So here you'll find an example of our grading rubric form, which we are currently using for our residency recruitment process. And I just want to highlight here that we are devoting specific points to DEI-specific activities for our pharmacy residency candidates. You can see our commitment statement to diversity, equity, and inclusion 
for the Madison VA Pharmacy Department, so I will read it for you all here. At the William S. Middleton Memorial Veterans Hospital, we are committed to fostering and sustaining an environment which celebrates diversity, provides equitable opportunities for employment and promotion, and supports inclusiveness in pharmacy culture. We embrace our differences as individuals and unite as a pharmacy team toward a common goal to deliver optimal patient-centered care for our nation's veterans. And here you can see um, a small screenshot of our pharmacy residency brochure for the Health Systems Administration and Leadership Program. And I just want to highlight here that we, in addition to making all pronouns gender neutral throughout the brochure, we also added the pronouns for our residency program director and our residency program coordinator for this program. All of the pharmacy residency programs did review their brochures to incorporate gender inclusive language and added pronouns if desired for each of our different residency programs at the Madison VA. And here I just wanted to highlight some really successful example DEI interview questions that are currently being used and were used during the recruitment season last year for pharmacy residency, continue to be used for interviews for pharmacy staff, and will continue to be used this year during the recruitment season. So I'll just read aloud some of these interview questions just to highlight ones that we have found really successful. So the first is, we are interested to know how you mindfully engage with diversity. Please give us an example of a situation you're either proud of or learned from with respect to diversity. Please give us an example of a way that you could incorporate cultural factors into a patient's medication consultation. What is your approach to understanding the perspectives of colleagues of different backgrounds? Please share an example that demonstrates your respect for people and their differences. How have you worked to understand the perspectives of others? How has your background and experience prepared you to be effective in an environment that values diversity and is committed to inclusion? So all of these questions have been incorporated into our interviews and have really been eye-opening from a DEI perspective and will continue to be used in both staff and residency interviews in the future at our site. So for our next overarching goal of fostering self-development and awareness, under our second departmental goal, we also have made several changes. So most notably, I would say, is the development of our DEI self-development and awareness group, which I will explain in detail in just a moment. Our pharmacy management team has also participated in ongoing discussions and bias assessments, which are incorporated into their standing manager meetings. And additionally, we have created DEI training materials for presentation to pharmacy staff and our in the process of vetting our virtual training materials within TMS, which of course are created by the National VA. TMS is sort of an online training environment created by National VA. And so we're currently vetting those materials to determine those that are most pertinent to our department for dissemination to be completed by pharmacy staff. And then next, under the same departmental goal, we implemented a department-wide DEI holiday calendar. And this calendar has been sent out to all of the pharmacy department and highlights holidays, which aren't traditionally necessarily recognized by the VA and maybe are traditionally celebrated by people of marginalized identities. Within each calendar invite, if you click on it, there are specifics related to the origin of that holiday, how it's traditionally celebrated, and usually resources if you are interested in learning more. So it's just a really great way to engage our department and be able to learn something new once or twice a week to help them be integrated more into other cultures. 
Finally, our department is working at a facility level to engage outside diversity, equity, and inclusion speakers and consultants. To further expand on the DEI self-development and awareness group, this group meets approximately quarterly and it's on a volunteer basis. So all members of our pharmacy team are invited and various members attend each time, depending on their availability and interest in the topic. We always offer two discussion time offerings per quarter. And typically we've been doing one during the workday, usually around the lunch hour and one in the evening hours for those that maybe can't fit it into their workday schedule. And we always have people come prepared with reading or listening to a various form of media that's related to DEI in some way. So I'll share some of the topics that we've used in just a moment. But the topics vary every time and so does the form of media to sort of get various people interested in each session. We've done it in a virtual setting, so typically via Zoom. You could also consider using, you know, Microsoft Teams or WebEx or whatever you have available to you. And we always have a moderator that will outline specific questions or topics for groups to discuss. We typically utilize breakout groups, depending on the size of the group, to have people just feel more comfortable discussing the topics in smaller groups. After people have a chance to discuss the topic questions, we typically bring it back to a larger group to just finalize and outline lessons learned throughout the session. So, so far we've had four sessions over the past year. The first session held was on So You Want to Talk About Race, the novel. Then the session two was the podcast Nice White Parents. Session three was a New York Times article titled, I'm Tired of Trying to Educate White People About Anti-Asian Racism by Nicole Chung. And then session four was a live concert recording of the musical Unbreakable by Andrew Lippa. As you can see, we've made a conscious effort to ensure that there's varying forms of media to engage different people from our group, and then also ensure that there's sort of various topics each quarter to engage people that may have varying interests within our department. And then within our final goal of systems integration, I wanted to highlight the establishment of a DEI steering team as well as the creation of our DEI pharmacy steering team recommendations. We did, after the creation of the focus groups and the initial recommendations that were provided, we established a DEI steering team of 11 active members and three supervisors. This steering team held bi-weekly meetings and created a charter to sort of establish and guide their scope and direction, which I'll show an example of in a moment here. Really the goal was to engage our full department. So even though we had a select number of members of the steering team, our goal is to ensure that the follow-up work that comes out of the DEI steering team is not necessarily going to be delegated to steering team members exclusively. It's going to be a department-wide effort, sort of going back to the original idea of people taking individual responsibility for DEI actions. I'll get into the rest of this year in a moment, but essentially the DEI steering team works together to create a formalized document of recommendations for a presentation to our pharmacy leadership. These recommendations, I'll show an example in a second, but the recommendations were recently sent out for a call for comments to the entire pharmacy department, who then were able to provide specific feedback on our recommendations for sort of a department-wide approach. And then next steps will be to review those comments and establish a timeline for completion and allocate responsibilities for each actionable item. 
So here is just an example of the pharmacy steering team charter, which sort of outlines our overarching goals, provides some definitions of diversity, equity, and inclusion, includes our DEI statement in there as well for the pharmacy department. And then this isn't included here, but it also includes every member of our team and their specific roles and responsibilities within the team. And then this is just an example from our DEI steering team recommendations. So we did break the recommendations down into each of our overarching goals. So you can sort of see here, we have the self-development and awareness goal, specific details related to its overarching goal, the specific recommendation. And then in bullet points, we just sort of indicated details of how we can go about accomplishing each of these recommendations, more actionable items under each recommendation. So now I'm going to go ahead and hand it back to Alina to provide a little bit of highlights on our facility level integration of DEI. Thanks, Julia, for the wonderful pharmacy level actions and direction you provided. As we think about what's gone on within the pharmacy service, we also want to recognize what's been happening somewhat in parallel and in connection at the facility level as well as the national level. So in zooming out to the broader Madison VA facility diversity, equity and inclusion advancement work, I'm gonna share some examples of how DEI has become an important local and national priority, including integration of DEI in our facility overall strategic plan, development of a DEI supervisor's guide for use not just within pharmacy, but across all of our services at the Madison VA, as well as a bit about the diversity, equity, and inclusion climate assessment survey that was specifically focused on issues related to race and racism and the perspective of our employees across the facility in that regard. But I first wanted to highlight in particular a facility level anti-racism action team that was developed over the past couple of years and it was last summer that the Madison VA Equal Opportunity Employee Manager put out a call to all of our special emphasis program groups or employee resource groups, maybe called at your facility, to convene a group to address the needs of our employees and veterans. The team was made up of some those that were already part of our special emphasis members, as well as attracted new employees from across the facility who have been invested in social justice and working towards anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion for all people. Earlier this summer, the group became a formal chartered special emphasis program group, which reports to the overall diversity, equity, and inclusion committee that is chaired by our EEO manager. That Anti-racism action team and program initially developed four overarching goals. One was to facilitate courageous conversations about racism and other discriminatory issues in society, but also at our specific practice site to develop anti-racism tools for supervisors, to educate staff on racial and ethnic disparities in healthcare and how to help work towards health equity and creating a space to share those resources both on websites, but also in discussion spaces so that people can process the information and move forward together. A couple examples of things that helped contribute to those goals included holding several facility-wide and service level courageous conversations. And those courageous conversations are really structured as having a couple individuals from the anti-racism action team go to facility level meetings and have an hour just focused on having discussions around DEI questions, topics, 
framing out like we talked about earlier, starting with community agreements, providing some baseline definitions or descriptions of the terms that would be using, and then creating an open forum for people to talk and express how they were feeling, ask questions, learn from one another. There were definitely challenges with an approach like that. I think it was helpful in getting conversations going around really needed things that hadn't been discussed in past. It also was challenging to have those conversations in a virtual environment during COVID where you're not able to sit across the room and look into other people's eyes and see how they're feeling or responding or reacting. It was also really challenging from a facilitation perspective. These conversations can be so important and helpful, but also have high risk for harm, especially in mixed groups where people are coming from very different backgrounds, experiences, have some may for the first time be reaching some consciousness around issues of race and racism, and some have been living and breathing that since they were born and they have lived that every day. So we also talked about race affinity groups and how we might be able to form some of those together. We're able to execute some of that to varying degrees. So all in all, it was certainly an imperfect process. We continue to work to refine. I think another piece of this is that we really want to have people who are well-trained, have background in being able to facilitate these conversations, ideally helping do this work and also recognizing that there may be within our facility a limited supply of those individuals and trying to be cautious of not burning them out or not having some significant fatigue associated with that for those people, bringing in outside individuals to help facilitate them that have expertise in this area. So there's a lot that had been learned throughout that process across the facility, and also that it was important to start to have the conversations about things that we were not having conversations about before, with a focus and making sure that we were centering marginalized communities and employees and making sure that we are being most attuned to their feelings and their experiences throughout this process. We also developed different tools for supervisors, which I'll talk a little bit more in depth about related to the DEI supervisor guide, and then facilitated an extended book club for the book. So you want to talk about race. And that was done and structured in terms of different chapters for each extended book club. So rather than everybody reading the book and then having one discussion about it, there was a discussion after each chapter of the book. So the extended book club lasted throughout the year and there were multiple different venues for that. We were able to do some in-person, socially distanced and masked with room capacity limitations and then some virtual to be able to reach as many individuals across the facility as we could. In addition, there was advocacy, as mentioned, for including diversity, equity, and inclusion in the strategic plan, and that was very much supported by our executive leadership. And also, there was an important role for the anti-racism action team and the individuals in that group to advocate for that inclusion. We also initiated a DEI community of practice with having people come, share strong practices, ask questions, learn from each other, those calls happened once a month and started out just really being at the Madison VA with a goal of engaging VAs across the country over time. And then, as mentioned, and we'll also talk more about, the group helped facilitate a climate assessment survey. That climate assessment survey was created in partnership with the National Center for Organizational Development through VA. So they helped with 
creation of some of the questions, we personalized them for what we felt was important for our practice site. And then they helped support us in creating a survey tool that we could send out. So they helped with the administrative piece as well, which was really useful. And that again was supported by our executive leadership to send out to everyone. We did have to be mindful about when our all employee survey, another survey across all employees was coming out to limit survey fatigue. There are some questions related to diversity, equity, and inclusion on the all employee survey. And so it's been really nice to have the results of both the climate assessment survey along with the all employee survey in order to look, track and trend and see validation of results based on employees frontline experiences and what they're feeling. Another important example of our director's advocacy and support the VA secretary came to visit the Madison VA a couple of months ago. And for those who are not familiar with the VA structure, the VA secretary is like the president of the United States, but for the VA. So it is a big deal to have that person come visit an individual VA. He has, of course, very high level influence and the ability to help transform different parts of VA across the entire system. And typically when a secretary visits a VA, which does not happen all the time, you know, of course, they're not able to visit all 164 health systems or locations in the time of their tenure. So it was really special that he was able to come. And typically there's limited time when they do come because they're only there either for a half or a whole day at that site. So our director, who had the ability to get time with the secretary and think about what employees would be best to meet with the secretary, really intentionally ensured that there were representatives from the anti-racism action team to be at the table with the VA secretary. And when we got the chance to share about the work that we've been working towards at the facility level. We shared the efforts that we'd undertaken and the secretary got really excited about how we've implemented and operationalized various actions. Again, recognizing all of it's imperfect and so much is in progress and we're in a constant learning mode. He was excited to hear that certain actions had been taken and that we were working on things within pharmacy and at the facility level. And one of the reasons he was really excited is this is something that's really important to him as a personal value. And he had actually chartered, which I had not known about prior to his visit, a national task force that was chartered to create a nationwide VA plan around diversity, equity, and inclusion. That task force was termed the IDEA task force or IDEA, standing for inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. When he heard about the actions that we were taking, he immediately, I remember this vividly, in the room, turned to his assistant and asked to connect us with that task force that he had chartered. And from that came many more opportunities. The lead of that IDEA task force asked us then to present at a national platform that had an audience of hundreds of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and equal opportunity employment professionals. After we shared specifically about the DEI supervisor guide, the inclusion of this work within our facility strategic plan, and also the small community of practice that we had started locally, there were many requests from across the country for people to get that information and be more involved. So for example, the community of practice call I had mentioned earlier that had been monthly, prior to this presentation had about 10 people on the call on it per month. After the presentation, the audience grew to over 250 attendees. 
We have also now been added as a field representative to the National Task Force, which can help provide the perspective of frontline employees that are working on operationalizing this work and how to make big ideas that the National Task Force has for national transformation across VA. How does that actually work at one of the health systems or hospitals? How to take that plan and vision and make it become a reality? How to take something from concept or idea to implementation? So it's been really cool to see that we have this accelerated energy and movement and actions happening within the pharmacy service. But also through those examples and through the advocacy of our anti-racism action team and the support of our executive leadership activity happening at the facility level and trying to encourage what's been done within pharmacy to happen across other services. And then from an even bigger picture perspective, that there is excitement and work and energy going on nationally to make these sort of transformational efforts happen across all VAs. And that now the Madison VA has been invited to help be an example of how to actually make something happen at an individual practice site. This is a visual depiction of our Madison VA facility strategic plan summary. And you can't see it super well, but the second column here in yellow shows that of all of our top priorities, diversity, equity, and inclusion is highlighted specifically as a main one. And these DEI initiatives that were advocated for at our local site are now fully codified in our strategic plan. At our strategic planning retreat this past April, there was a cross-section of leaders and DEI committee members, along with the anti-racism action team, our chief of pharmacy, gathered to help develop the structure to help guide our facility forward. There were three overarching objectives that were developed around DEI, including infrastructure development, cultural transformation, and recruitment and retention. One important theme of note, you'll see that in some of the other high priority initiatives in our strategic plan are listed being a high reliability organization and also whole health. And there's been a movement to connect and show the connections between whole health, meaning caring about the entire individual and the whole person, both from an employee perspective as well from a veteran perspective, that we're not just pieces of people, that our entire being is what we bring to work, is what the patient brings to our visits, and we have to think about the entire person. Being an HRO, being highly reliable, having repeated processes, having a tendency to defer to expertise, meaning who are the frontline people doing the work, listening to their voices, creating psychological safety to ensure people speak up. And the through lines with diversity, equity, and inclusion, really making sure that everyone has equitable opportunities to reach the same outcomes, that everyone feels like their voice is heard, that they can be their authentic selves, that they come to work and feel a sense of belonging and welcoming, and that they know that they belong as part of our team. Not just for employees, of course, but for veterans too, that they know that we will be culturally responsive to their care, that we're thinking about them as an individual, that we foster trust, where in past there has been broken trust between the medical system and different groups of patients experiencing mistreatment within medical care. And so those three pieces really are inextricable and really trying to highlight the connections between those for all of our employees so that they understand that DEI, while it is pulled out as a specific strategic initiative, is not its own separate thing. It really is about weaving it into the fabric of how we do everyday care, how we take care of each other at work, and how we treat one another. 
Each of the different initiatives related to the infrastructure development, cultural transformation, recruitment and retention, and those ties between HRO, whole health, and DEI are currently at varying degrees of completion. And we're excited to share, and as talked about, there have been various parts that have gotten completed and are in stages of dissemination, including further dissemination of that supervisor's guide, hiring a DEI educator on staff, and also we'll be creating a position for a DEI chief officer to report directly to our executive director, and incorporating concepts related to diversity, equity, and inclusion on our communication boards, our huddle boards, as well as incorporating them into our performance appraisals. So I've talked a bit about the supervisor's guide a few times, so wanting to dig into and show you a little bit more about that. This is a picture of the cover of our DEI supervisor's guide. While the guide itself is titled for supervisors, the content is for any employee to use. That said, we included the word supervisor intentionally as supervisors really need to be part of leading these changes. Like Julia referenced earlier from Icobathia's model, Leaders have to help lead the cultural transformation if they're not already, and really understand and deeply hold the values needed to ensure that everyone has a sense of inclusion, belonging, welcoming, and they're treated as such. A little bit more detail about the guide. It is broken down into five main modules. Those five modules are self-awareness for you and your teams, diversity and recruitment and hiring, patient impact and addressing health disparities, provider impact and addressing racism and other forms of discrimination from patients, and retention and a commitment to fostering an inclusive culture. Each of these five modules are positioned into three columns. As you can see here, the theory in the background describing the principles of why these concepts are important. Practice examples, these practice examples are real examples that have been implemented at various services, either within our facility, for example, within the pharmacy department or within our mental health department, or are from local health systems that we've learned about, for example, at the University of Wisconsin. So these are not theoretical. These are real things that real people have worked on implementing and have had either success with or have learned from. And then lastly, the third column has additional resources to dig deeper into the content and for people to learn more. And you can see that some of the examples specifically on module five related to retention and commitment to fostering an inclusive culture, you see the theory and background talks about a better culture starts with better conversations and improving the quality of your organization's everyday conversations, developing and further enhancing increased openness, respect for differences and similarities, and understanding that all of our different perspectives fuel better collaboration, innovation, and greater effectiveness. That this is not about artificial harmony or getting along or being on the surface, but really about creating a safe space where people can express their true perspectives, their true views, be their authentic selves, let that lead to healthy differences and ideas, let that build on similarities and excitement and have that push us all forward to a better outcome together. Some of the practice examples, 
We talked about establishing a department-wide DEI steering team. Julia dug a little bit further into that, which can help provide continuous progress, help ensure the right voices are helping lead these changes, being really thoughtful about who's represented on the group so that you're getting the voices that you need. And then engaging with other resources across the facility or at your practice site that may already be in progress for us it was the anti-racism action team and helping collaborate and then of course like mentioned the different additional resources here for the dei steering team we include that example charter so that people can take the resource and run with it as well as some example mission statements and additional reading for example here the harvard business review what an anti-racist business strategy looks like as another action at our facility, we created that DEI climate survey that I mentioned to you that was in collaboration with the National Center for Organizational Development. And we were able to look both at themes from the facility level on the data and the survey results, as well as breaking it down to each specific department. I will note that there was intentionality around the anonymity of responses. So specific comments were not able to be traced back to a particular service. That again is to protect the respondents, but there were overarching themes that we could pull from the numerical data as well as look at the overall facility comments and see what makes sense to apply based on the theme scene. So just specifically touching on the themes that came out for the pharmacy service, just as a disclaimer, it's important to note that these results should be taken into context with the demographic makeup of our department. We are predominantly white department, vast majority white female department. And so thinking about that in context is important in the responses. It could be that the responses may look different as we continue to further ensure diverse representation across our department. But nonetheless, at this point, some of the general themes were that identities are celebrated and that team member voices are being heard. And this, I think, comes from a longstanding culture of deference to frontline expertise and making sure no matter when practice changes occur, that the people being affected by those changes are the ones helping design, implement, and help drive that change. All pharmacy staff state that their race currently does not make them feel undervalued, despite potentially feeling that way in past. So 100% of staff who answered the survey, which the survey results represented about a quarter of our overall personnel, so about 25% response rate. Currently, regardless of their background or what their current race is, do not currently feel undervalued. That said, there is lack of confidence when to intervene when they may see racism from veterans or colleagues. And so we have worked on implementing bystander intervention training and ensuring our 100% of our staff complete that training as well as having ongoing discussions around how to intervene effectively. And then more broadly, there is a feeling that there were limited opportunities outside of our pharmacy team to challenge racist organizational attitudes. And that is something we're continuing to work on at a facility level. And then also wanting to ensure there's transparency around equitable career advancement opportunities and ensuring everybody knows the changes that have been made to our recruitment processes. There is always a risk with this work that the people closest to it may know what's going on, but if we're not communicating effectively and sharing that to make sure it reaches every employee, you know, we may feel like we're doing a lot and there may be people in our service who say, I don't know about anything. I don't think our service is doing anything. So continuing to work on ensuring everyone feels their voice has been heard in this process, that they are represented, that they know what's going on is a, is a continual work in progress.
One encouraging comment that came from the broader survey said that the pharmacy team has been taking intentional objective steps to make sure there are opportunities to have hard discussions and push ourselves to do better. And so we hope to continue to demonstrate that further integration of DEI is part of, like mentioned earlier, the fabric of what we do every day. We have made some steps, we have a lot of work and action still that we need to take moving forward. I think it's important that we come at this work not from the perspective of that this is something we can get done quickly or that there really is an end, but rather this is now something that is part of who we are and what we do every day and that it's not a quick fix. It's not something that we can just put some separate effort into and get it done, but rather it's truly a, a lifelong professional, personal commitment to continuing to work on this in whatever form it may evolve into as we continue to take steps into the future. Speaking of steps into the future, we have been continuing to work on how we expand as we ensure continuation of steps within our work environment and with our colleagues, also expanding into addressing health equity at the patient level at a more robust level. And so we are just starting use of what's called the VA primary care health equity dashboard, which allows us to identify from a population level how many patients may be experiencing health disparities and which populations those may be. So we're able to break that down by race and or ethnicity, by sex assigned at birth and by rurality to the location in which the veteran lives. And that has helped us drive focus on, for example, right now, focusing on A1Cs greater than 9% or no A1C drawn in the past year, where we recognize disparities specifically for Black and African American patients, Latinx patients, and Native American patients. And then separately, there is actually not a disparity that we're seeing for race and ethnicity around statins, but we are seeing disparity for women veterans around statin use. So each quarter we have our primary care pharmacists involved with contacting these patients around health disparities, assessing what their needs are and helping them get the care that they need, as well as adjusting the individual approach using motivational interviewing to build trust and ensure we can engage them in the way that they want to and need to be engaged to have them get the best care possible moving forward. We're also looking at assessing what are the root causes so that we're not just taking population data, trying to address a particular issue and then moving on and then having people pop back up on our population management reports in future. We do wanna correct the existing disparities, but we also wanna get back to what are the root causes and how can we change the way that our providers are approaching care for various populations? How can we change our system and care delivery to ensure that we eventually get to a point where health equity is the norm and that we're not experiencing or seeing these types of disparities in the future. And we also focused on addressing vaccine building, confidence building conversations with minority veterans. We had a two week push earlier this year with our primary care pharmacists, again, reaching out to veterans who identify with minority groups that were not yet vaccinated with the COVID vaccine and having discussions around motivational interviewing to engage them in that care as it was appropriate. So continuing to focus on where the different needs are for various populations and meeting them where they're at. And then of course, continuing to implement the DEI steering team recommendations, taking the next steps with incorporating feedback from our entire department related to the recommendations that were sent out to everyone, and then taking the next steps with the DEI climate assessment survey results to prioritize where we will focus efforts in moving forward. 
Just a brief note on outcomes measurements. There have, of course, been some challenges and philosophical debates on how and we move forward with some of these different actions. For example, how do you ensure that diversity, equity, and inclusion are integrated into recruitment, hiring, and retention processes? Are you going to give points for demographics or what is the quote-unquote best approach to do that. And so for us, as Julia mentioned, that has been awarding points for DEI-related work, incorporating DEI-related interview questions, which have points assigned, and hearing the responses for how they connect to DEI, how each candidate connects to DEI within the interviews, ensuring people know about our commitment to advancing DEI, and speaking specifically about how we're doing that in our interview processes. Because we want to make sure that everyone, no matter what background they come from, have equitable opportunity to get in the door and get the opportunities and then from there let their individualism and who they are as a specific person regardless of their group or identity or background let their individual shine and making sure that again everyone has an equitable opportunity and that from there they show themselves so that is how we've approached our recruitment and hiring piece leading with the values and the principles part rather than leading with we need X amount of a particular type of person on the group or team. And I think we are seeing that outcome occur, that we are increasing diverse representation amongst our team with these changes to our hiring process. But again, leading with the principles and incorporating these changes is what led to that versus ending with or driving with a goal of needing a certain amount of people of a particular group in and on the team. That approach has been very well received by residency candidates and new pharmacy staff seeking positions. They specifically have commented on that they were interested in our program because they've seen our statement. They see that we're asking DEI-focused interview questions. When they ask us what our approach is around DEI, we're able to answer that authentically and humbly recognizing that you know we still have a long ways to go. And like I mentioned, it's not something that will end per se. However, just wanting to outline some of the discussions we've had about how we move through this together alongside everyone in this work from a philosophical perspective. So as we think about which of the following strategies could be used with the goal of creating equitable opportunities for diverse representation in the workforce, is it one, creating and implementing point-based application screening processes, Two, developing a DEI statement to include in residency recruitment or any hiring recruitment materials. Three, asking job candidates interview questions about their experience working with diverse communities or for all of the above. And we would suggest that for all of the above could all be different strategies. I'll turn it over to Julia to wrap us up on the key takeaways. All right. Thank you so much, Alina, for that wonderful overview of our DEI work at a facility and a national level. I want to just conclude today's presentation with our three key takeaways. So first and foremost, I just want to emphasize again that the actions taken thus far within the Madison VA are truly initial steps in the process for advancement and integration of DEI. While we have made great strides in the last year or so, we are not done with this work. Sustainable, meaningful changes will require ongoing, proactive, intentional thought and planning, continued personal growth, willingness to be vulnerable and make mistakes. And then finally, and most importantly, listening, supporting, and following those that are most impacted. 
Second, utilization of a systems-based approach and engaging members of our pharmacy leadership as key stakeholders has been crucial in ensuring the sustainability and growth of DEI and will continue to be crucial in ensuring sustainability long-term. And then finally, the DEI supervisor's guide may serve as a tool for taking key first steps in the integration and advancement of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I just wanna thank you for spending time with us today and listening in on this presentation. Thanks so much for listening into today's episode. For more resources on incorporating diversity, equity, and inclusion into your practice, visit ashb.org backslash DEI. Be sure to follow us at ASHB Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2021 Major Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Vicki Vasilika from ASHB Official and thanks for listening in.